0: Beth and I'm a Psychological Wellbeing Practitioner from Newcastle. I just wanted to say the biggest thank you to the contributors of the Clinical Psychologist Collective book. I've enjoyed reading this so much and I've loved having an insight into the range of backgrounds and experiences people have prior to applying for the doctorate. And it's been really interesting seeing the potential barriers to the application as well and how I can try and work around this. I really started to doubt myself and whether I was good enough to apply for the clinical psychology doctorate but this has really given me the confidence boost that I needed to give it a shot so the biggest thank you ever.
1: If you're looking to become a psychologist then let this be your guide. With this podcast I feel sad to be on your way to being qualified as the
0: Hi, welcome along to the Aspiring Psychologist podcast. Today is going to be quite a raw and honest podcast episode. Um, I hope you find it useful, and I hope that you are able to use it and the approaches within it. Um, to reflect perhaps in your own practice or perhaps going through your day-to-day life in a mindful way, perhaps in supervision, perhaps as a reflective journal exercise. But I try to showcase the way that I live my life and how I use my own knowledge not only for the clients I work with, but also for myself. And that is the topic of today's episode is when you can use your own knowledge to apply to yourself or to help work out what might be going on with you. Um, so, yeah, here it goes. I thought we would do this by looking at my life and my behavior through a few key areas, um, key times where I wasn't feeling tip top. Um, Okay, so let's think about um, the first one that comes to mind. Um, and it is in 2013. And at that point, I have got um, a six weeks old baby, um, my first child. And um, I had had no sleep for precisely six weeks and about two days. Um, I had only just been able to start driving again because I'd had an emergency section and um, you can't have, you can't start driving again until you've been signed off um, as safe to do so. Um, And that's usually around your six week check. Um, So I was like home with my baby who I was just on cloud nine with. So despite the fact that he was an utter utter sleep thief at worst he woke like 31 times a night he was an absolute terror <laughs> when it came to night he also didn't really like nap time very much either um, but at all other times he was joyful he was so smiley and gorgeous and I just adored being his mummy. I still do. It's just, oh, I just felt like it was just me and him. So I'm married. I'm still married at the time, but it was just like, it was just this, just unique adoration, just like amazing. It's just like we'd both landed on like planet perfection apart from and aside from the fact he did not sleep. And I was like, (laughs) who is this child? Because I love sleep. Uh, Prior to becoming a mummy, it was not unheard of me um, to have a lie in um, on days when I wasn't working and then wake up and then have some breakfast and then have a nap. uh, And then sometimes I would even have an afternoon nap. (laughs) And then I'd go to sleep and sleep all night long. Um, I loved sleep. So to then have this child who really was not finding sleep that natural, um which I know is really common. I just was not prepared for how exhausting that would be um you know, I don't know if you've ever been that tired, but when I reflect on that time, I think about it not necessarily so much in the six weeks, first six weeks, all well, it was difficult to begin with but it went on until he was 20 months his sleep chaos Um, but at times you know if it'd been particularly wild at night there'd been many many wakings perhaps after only 40 minutes of my sleep for example so I was just really shattered and I just felt cold to my bones even on a warm day I felt like head fog and I was more likely to eat rubbish um, because of the unique way that our Um, ghrelin 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 how do you say I have no idea but it's a it's a hormone which is really indicated in our eating and our eating um, hormone suppressant when we've had enough to eat Um, but there's also leptin as well which I believe is quite indicated in appetite Um, and both of those hormones are affected when we are very tired Um, so we might find that there's some evidence even that people at buffets, if they've been sleep deprived, um, will consume more calories than people who've had, um, you know, seven and a half to eight hours plus sleep per night. Um, so yeah, this stuff matters. So the time I'm telling you about is when he was just over six weeks old. I'd been able to get out and about in my car. So I'd been to um, a breastfeeding support group and was just trying to work out why why it was all still kind of quite painful. Um, And very quickly, um, he was assessed by a lactation consultant. She was like, He's got a posterior tongue tie. Um, and yeah, there's some people that don't think that's a thing, but I can promise you from the state of my body at that time, um, it's a thing. I absolutely am on board with that being a thing, and it should not have been hurting me as much as it was. Um, and on that same um couple of days, it might maybe even have been the same day, um, he was assessed by. Um, the GP for his kind of six week check and they kind of said oh I think um, I think he might have a bit of a squint um, in his eyes he's not focusing quite right we'd have expected it ordinarily to have corrected by now and so babies are often born that way but usually by about that age it's it's sort of corrected itself and I remember um, bathing him that night in the bath and just crying, really. I was thinking, oh, this like perfect baby um, now potentially needs some kind of minor surgery to his tongue and might need to have all sorts of appointments to help Correct this squint, and I just thought, oh, this is really sad. I'm really sad. I'm really, really sad. Um, and then I was, meet- and of course, I was really tired. I was meeting a friend um, who is a fellow clin Psych, and he's now a mother, um, but wasn't at the time. I was meeting her for lunch in town. Um, I think probably the following day or soon after that. And we just sat there, and I just had a good old cry. And um, she was worried about me. Me and my mental health at that time. I think she thought I was perhaps, you know, developing postnatal depression or I wasn't coping very well. So she wasn't worried that I was a concern um, to, to my baby. Um, she was just worried about me as a friend and worried about me because of her knowledge of psychology too. Um, but I was able to use my theory um, and my reflections to know I wasn't experiencing depression at that stage. Um, So I think an outsider and a GP, if i had been honest with them at that point, they might well have just indicated, you know, suggested that that's postnatal depression, you know. But actually, I knew for me that it wasn't because I was still finding joy in him and in activities. I was still eating. I was still sleeping when I could. Um, I was just reacting to what felt like two quite big hiccups um, with my baby, you know, with his health. Um, And I just, it just took a little bit of time to adjust for that. Um, And by eight weeks, his tongue um, procedure had been done and things had settled down a bit. And I was hoping that that might improve his sleep. And of course it didn't. Um, But then he was feeding better and so my body was more comfortable. And so I just really felt like I really moved into just my flow of being a mummy, even though I was a tired mummy at that stage. And so things got better at that point and and more effortless. And there was still so much joy and adoration around, um, despite the fact that he was an absolute sleep monkey. Now, thankfully, his squint did sort itself out. Um, so he never needed any treatment for that. It did resolve, which I was really pleased about. But I think I could easily have been pathologized at that stage as being depressed. But I was able to use that to know that I was just reacting to life events Um, And that is not to disparage anyone who is experiencing postnatal depression at all. This is just my observation of knowing my own self really well and knowing, you know, the markers for depression um, and feeling that they didn't apply to me it didn't, you know, it wasn't depression I was experiencing, because we must allow and tolerate that our lives will have ebbs and flows, that sometimes we will feel better, sometimes we will feel worse. And it's the good times that highlight the bad times, but it's also going through the bad times, which really highlight the great times, isn't it? If you can reflect on some of the happiest times in your life, perhaps it's when you've been in the first flushes of new relationship, or you've just moved house, or you've got a new job and you just are so delighted, you know, you reflect on how easily things seem to come to you, you know, how easily you'll smile at that point and how easy you find it to talk about yourself and how joyful you find things and how much joy you're able to find in yourself and in your activities and in the things you do with people. And sometimes you just can't keep that smile off your face. And that's a really, really lovely life stage. And you must breathe into that. You must lean into it. You must recognize it. It's okay to mindfully celebrate and reflect upon and kind of draw down upon those really good felt times to be able to draw on and reflect upon and um, to help you through times that feel That's good. Um, You know, you just know that better times are coming, whatever you're experiencing right now. There's always hope. I firmly believe that. So let's break here for a short little snippet where we talk about um, the Aspiring Psychologist Collective book. And I will be back along very, very shortly um, to talk with you about some more observations and reflections about my own mental health and my well-being journey.
1: If you're looking to become a sad guy The Clinical Psychologist Collective book
0: was a very helpful read and useful to step outside of the prep work for the d application process, to really consider if this is something you want to do and reflect on your personal journey. It is a very nice
1: read and kept me company on train journeys. I do think Marianne's guidance through her podcast, Compassionate Q&A sessions and this book
0: has played a part in my successful application this year. Thank you. Welcome back along, thank you for staying tuned in and I hope you found that useful. So let's think about what I'm not saying during this episode. So I'm absolutely not saying that it's not possible to develop mental health um, difficulties. I'm absolutely not saying that there's anything wrong with you or other people if they do. What I am talking about is using our extensive skills and training to try and do a bit of an audit of ourselves, really, and to look at using those skills in really being really super self-aware and reflective to kind of act as early help um, for yourself. And for me, I think about it as almost like daily gardening, really, for my mental health, you know, just having a little bit of an overview of where I'm at. Um, and I think that it can be, you know, really helpful to have this sort of approach and this sort of reflective style and space. And for me, I think it really helps make sure that what I'm experiencing as a state and when I say state I don't mean like oh you know they were in a right state although that's probably where it originates from a state is just you know something that we're doing right now um but stops it from tipping over or developing into a trait um so for me um depression is when you know Certain behaviors and, um, you know, symptoms and patterns of thinking and interacting start to become more entrenched. And so they're becoming, or they have become, or it seems like they are traits, like it won't change, that it's static. Um, and for me, it's getting in ahead of that with myself, um, you know, to to really do what I can do um, to stay on top of that and to um, practice what I preach, I guess. And I guess it might be useful for you to use some of these approaches with yourself um, and to be as open as I am being and to practice if it feels safe, being as open as I am being in your supervision sessions, if that feels safe to do so. Um, that said, if you do want to register for my supervision guide, which can help you shape your supervision relationships, then head out um, to the details in the show notes um, or head to my website and then it's uh, just forward slash supervision. Um, so yeah, let's crash on with the rest of the episode. Um, but just wanted to add that caveat so that you knew that I wasn't being all hatist at all. Um, absolutely not. Stacks of compassion for people that are experiencing. Experiencing mental health, um, difficulties and distress. Um, but this is some of the ways that I um I don't like the grammar there. I feel like I'm gonna edit that. <laughs> um, but I'm not gonna edit it out because I'm not I'm not super perfectionistic. So these are some of the ways that I use to just do a bit of weeding, you know, um, just to gently cogitate, assess think, what's going on? You've been a bit crankier than usual lately, Marianne. What do you think that might be about? And I think it's about that gentle curiosity that I would apply with clients as well. Well, Why don't we try and do that for a bit? And we'll just see whether that helps. And so that's what I would expect from myself and that's what I would suggest can be useful when you're also working in mental health services and trying to look after yourself as well. So um, yeah let's let's crack on um, and yeah just wanted to add that because it felt really important. Um, So the second time I'm going to talk to you about um, is something more recent actually um so it was in the run up to the summer holidays um 2022 and I just had started to recognise that I was a bit grumpier than I ought to be you know so my baseline is usually pretty cheery You know, I'm usually pretty easygoing. Um, I usually smile quite often and, you know, can find the humour in most situations. And I just was like a bit irritable. And I was like, well, (laughs) am I being irritable or is everyone around me actually really annoying? You know? How do you discern that? Is it me that's the problem? Or are they all really annoying? You know, I've got two kids and a husband. Is it just them? Am I the problem? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not sure it's me. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, but I thought, well, let's have a look at your life, Marianne. Let's think about what might be going on to see if this could be you, actually. Um, So I did a little bit of a, a dissection, really. And it might be helpful at this stage to have a look at the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So at the bottom of that pyramid, I often do this with clients, um, not about myself, obviously. Um, But with them, we look at the physiological needs, which is air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, reproduction. Um, Then the next one up, we've got safety needs, which is personal security, employment, resources, health and property, love and belonging, friendship, intimacy, family, sense of connection, Next one up is esteem, respect, self-esteem, status, recognition, strength, and freedom. And then right at the top, we've got self-actualization—the desire to become the most that one can be. And so I was thinking, well, where, where am I doing really well at the moment? And I'm going to cite that one of the problems was Love Island people (laughs) um ordinarily my natural bedtime would be about 9 15 but when love island's on it doesn't finish till 10pm and I can't be catching up on TV every day because I'm very busy. Um, and so I was watching it live with my husband. We're both Love Island fans. Um, big news just in is that Laura Whitmore is not doing it next year. Who's going to present? Will it be Ekin Sue? I heard yesterday. I think that might be quite good. I might be on board with that. Um, but yeah, my sleep suffers. I get less of it, um, so to speak, um, during Love Island and not for the reasons you think, just because it's later. So it pushes back my bedtime routine um, by an hour, really, you know, almost an hour. Um, and, you know, also in the UK, since July, it's been unbearably hot. And in my 20s and when I was a teenager, I loved weather. I was a real sun bunny. I adored it but now that I am older (laughs) than mid-twenties I just don't like it. It is not for me. I am not here for that. Um, Anything over 24 and I am like grumpy. I like to be a bit chilly in bed and to be all snuggled up and have a duvet. I can't wait. I can't wait to need a duvet again. I cannot wait. Um, I literally, I'm kind of hallucinating about how wonderful that's going to be. And then in the next breath, I'm like, but oh, then we might need heating and the heating's going to be expensive. So yeah, I'm just looking forward to autumn when we don't need heating, um, but we can luxuriate in long trousers (laughs) and blankets and pillows and you know, that aren't covered in sweat and, um, you know, duvets that are wonderful. So I blooming can't wait. Um, so yeah, my sleep was being impacted on by that. Um, so yeah, I decided to, to take that on board once Love Island was finished, let's not go wild. I'm not quitting mid-series. Um, but I, um, decided to get my sleep hygiene back on board so I'm never really a caffeine drinker anyway I have the occasional um, cup of green tea I don't eat much chocolate Um, but yeah I decided to see if I could start going to bed slightly earlier again um, and I have done that And I looked at my food. So if you've been following me on Instagram, Dr. Marianne Trent, where all the good stuff happens on Insta, um, I decided to start trying to eat a bit better. Um, So I decided to start trying to eat a bit more fruit and veg. Um, And a couple of years ago, I was doing a 10 a day to eating 80 grams of um, 10 different fruit and veg for a whole year. (laughs) I did it for a whole year. And at that point I thought, I'm never gonna change back. Well this is just gonna be me forever now. Like this is just gonna be this is going to be where it's at, you know? I can't see me ever changing, ever having this be any different. But then of course, like anything Things do change. So once I've done the year, things slipped, and before you know it, I was back down to probably eating a few portions a day. But I just thought, you know what, I'm going to look at what changes I can make right now to really give myself the best chance of meeting my nutritional needs to support my optimal functioning, which is what this is about. And so um, I started taking vitamins um, every day again. Um, And because I am I was gonna say an older lady i'm not an older lady but i'm 41 so I've got to be thinking about our bone density I started taking some um calcium and vitamin d as well alongside that and some fish oils but also started um i decided to buy a slow juicer um and if you'd like some more information about my slow juicer you can um find that um in the show notes we'll pop that in there for you um but yeah slow juicer um i started doing some juicing and i've been really Really, really enjoying that, um, so I've been adding to my stories some other bits and pieces that I've been eating and drinking, um, but really enjoying it and. Um yeah, I'm I'm not gonna go all renegade and say I'm gonna do it every day for the rest of my life like I did with the ten a day. Um, but I certainly am enjoying that, and so I'm gonna continue that. Um so that's probably it for the bottom section. Um, you know, I am not employed, I am self-employed, but I was feeling safe. Um, you know, I was feeling healthy, so I'm in good health. Um, but I decided I would start running again so I'm doing strength training but over the summer I'm only doing once a week not twice because I've got kids man I've got two of them Um and so to be around for them a bit off a bit more often um, I was doing strength training in the middle of the week whereas I'd usually do it twice a week Um and I decided well I can start running again Um so I can start running before I start work or if I'm not working, I can do it um, at the weekends before I get showered and things. So I started running again and I'm not a marathon runner. I'm not very good at it, if I'm honest. Um, It's not really about that for me. It's not about the speed. It's not about the distance. I only run for about 15 minutes. It's about moving my body and knowing that my mental health responds really well to having been Run like a dog, like getting out, getting some fresh air, having that time to think. Oh, look, there's blackberries going on that bush, um, or oh, there's a dog poo there. Miss that? Avoid, avoid, avoid. Um, or just saying hi to people in the street, you know. And you know, catching you know flowers coming out for the first time, and watching the way the breeze moves the trees and noticing how parched all of the grass is and stuff at the moment. So getting out and about um is really useful for me. I respond well to that. But depending on your own unique um physiology and your physical health, you may not be able to do that. Um, But still moving your body is really useful um, for our mental health. Um, I almost said yental health then mental health. So yeah, could you look to do that as well? love and belonging so yeah i felt like me and my husband are in a pretty good place um we've been together almost 13 years and married almost 10. um so it's t- certainly, not, certainly not the first flash of love and we have got two children but yeah i felt like we were good enough um um where we're at um we like each other we still make each other laugh um we like spending time together we do tend to protect um at least an hour um together each evening when we're both in we're usually both in um to spend time together um before we had kids we'd do like cool stuff like play rummy um have a glass of wine maybe sometimes um and play downfall You won't beat me at downfall. Don't think you can because you won't. Um, Very rarely does anyone beat me at downfall. Um, But, yeah, we'd spend time doing stuff other than watching TV. But largely these days um, we do (laughs) watch TV. But we spend time together usually um, on a Saturday and we'll have an earlier tea together, just me and him, once the kids are in bed. Um, And then we spend time together then as well. So, we, yeah, I felt like that was um, good. But I recognise that even though I've got loads of friends, that most of them are not on my immediate doorstep. Um, but I'm very, very fortunate that one of my um one of my children um has got a best friend. And it just so turns out that me and his mum get on really, really well. And so I decided that um yeah, we'll start spending some more time together as well. It doesn't just need to be when the kids are um, you know, together. And so we've been planning more time together. We're off out together um for dinner for the first time this um this coming Friday actually um as I record this. Um and yeah we just I went round to see her the other day on her birthday and we just you know laughed our heads off. Like it's just really nice um to be able to have a friend right on my doorstep. So yeah I've got friends that I trained with that are living locally to me. Um, But when I say locally to me, it's still about half an hour away. And half an hour away may as well be you know, three hours away because I still wasn't seeing them. But um, I did make um, a trip to go and see um, two of my friends who live about half an hour away um, and really, really enjoyed connecting with them. Um, and yeah, right at the start of the summer, I went away and connected with three of my undergrad friends and we went and stayed away in a beautiful little cottage with a hot tub. It's really nice. So just really looking at where I could thicken the narrative around my friendships um, to make sure that I was checking off that area of the Maslow's hierarchy um, and yeah continuing to plan in activities that are enjoyable and things to look forward to um, so yeah that's that the love and belonging section and the sense of connection and all of that um, and then really enjoyed our little family holiday as well when we went down to East Wittering um, spending time together and also having a bit more sleep as well which topped up those needs um, and yeah just a more relaxed pace of life so you will know that I like to get things done. You know, um, there's always busy plates spinning in my life, um, be they personal or professional um, or both. Um, it's, it's just nice to take my foot off the gas for a bit and just lean into being on holiday. Um, self esteem, I feel like I respect myself, feeling all right, yeah, feeling okay with what I'm doing, and self actualization you know i absolutely even when i was feeling a bit wobbly and a bit moany and um you know i still wanted to do well it wasn't like i was saying oh, i can't do that and i mustn't do that i just was a bit concerned about my general levels of irritability um and i can report i'm recording this at the end of august i'm feeling really good again um so maybe Maybe it was me or maybe the children not being at school and not having to hustle them out the door is meaning they're less annoying. (laughs) They are causing me to be less irritated. Um, You know, we are spending time together. um, And so they've got my attention. I'm always quite careful that at the end of every day at bedtime that we have a little review of the day. And, um, you know, we'll say, what's our favourite part of the day? What's our least favourite part of the day? My eldest tries to chuck in, what is my funniest part of the day? And I'm like, baby boy, life's not that funny when you're 41. Like, (laughs) it's very rare that I'll laugh my head off uncontrollably. uh, uncontrollably. Um, You know, I wish that happened more often. I do find myself quite amusing. Um, But, yeah, life's not as you know, spontaneously gleeful as it is when you're nine or when, as is when you're six. So often I'll say, no, no we're, not doing, we're, not, we're, not doing, we're not doing the funny one today. Um, you know, so we do the best part, the, which is probably a bit miserable. You're like, Marianne, that's so grumpy. Um, so, yeah, maybe I just need to find more opportunities to laugh in every given day. Um, but the kids are always a bit disappointed if my favourite part of the day is not with them. <laughs> It's something different. But I think that is role modeling appropriate that they are not the kings of this world and that there can be joy found outside of being their mother. Um, (laughs) Good job, I don't rely on them solely for my joy. (laughs) They eat a lot of it. eat my joy, um, which if you're not a parent yourself, you might be like, how could she speak about her children like that? But, um, you know, they're, they're like Pac-Man, you know. <laughs> they gobble up <laughs> your free time. They gobble up your money. Um, you know, they, give me a drink. And I like, no, darling, let's try again. Ask me again, please. Can I have a drink, please? And I was like, well, I suppose so. <laughs> what did your last slave die of? Um, You know, but if I let them make it themselves, it'd be squash everywhere. But so largely I'm happy to be the drinks machine. Um, But yeah, I want someone to speak to me politely. Um, I don't want to be spoken to like a slave because I ain't nobody's slave. Um, So yeah, I'm sharing this level of vulnerability with you to invite you to reflect on your own, Maslow's hierarchy to invite you to reflect on whether you could be pathologizing yourself um, and what control you might be able to have um, to make changes in your life. So, you know, it's no surprise that people with the best mental health are generally getting good sleep, They are connected to people. They are feeling like they've got a sense of achievement, that they're seeing people that they like regularly, either in person or um, remotely. They're feeling connected to something. They feel like they are achieving, they are eating good food, you know? Um, And so anytime that I feel like I'm slipping away from that, it's useful just to take a little bit of a look um, and to make sure that where possible, I can make tweaks and make changes to get myself yeah, on a more even keel. You know, because I am 41, I did wonder whether I could be perimenopausal as well. And um, this isn't really something I'd considered much before. Um, you know, Davina has been talking a lot about that over the last um, couple of years, and she's got a book coming out that I'm quite looking forward to reading as well. Um it looks pretty as well. I saw her with a copy of it on her Instagram recently. Um, you know, so is that around for me? I don't know. I think my mum went through the menopause, she'd be mortified me telling you this, a bit later than 41. I think she's probably late 40s. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think that's the case. You know, am I just a bit grumpy? <laughs> but I feel, I don't know, I feel energized when it comes to my work, you know, I'm not annoyed with you guys, you no, know? <laughs> um, and so is it just that my kids were going through a bit of a grumpy, demanding phase, were they worn out, was I worn out from the end of the school year, have we all responded really nicely to this protracted family time and that said um, I have been able to record this podcast this afternoon Um, Well, I was going to record it anyway but instead of ignoring my children my mother-in-law texts me and said oh do they want to come over to this afternoon I said yes (laughs) yes they do (laughs) I'm bringing them now (laughs) see you soon Um, so yeah I've been able to record um, two podcast episodes with them not in the house. Hooray! Um, I wonder whether I'll be able to get any editing done before they before they get home. Probably not. Probably not. Um, but yes, um, I can't remember why I told you that. Uh, no, can't remember. But could you use these techniques to look at helping you be your optimal self? You know, what twigs could you make? Um, let me know, won't you? Um, come along and discuss it with me on the Aspiring Psychologist Community. She has in the Aspiring Psychologist Community Facebook group. I'd love to know what you think of this episode. Um, anything that it's Evoked or provoked for you. Um, let's continue this conversation. Um, and yeah, thank you for being kind with me as I bear my soul. Um, and yeah, looking forward to catching up with you for what will be episode 41 very soon. It's episode 40. How cool is that? Have you listened to all 40 so far? Are you like, you know, a regular, let me know. Um, come and connect on socials. I love celebrating with you. I'm Dr. Marianne Trent most places, but you can check out my link tree or um, the details in the show notes. Um, all right, take care. Be kind to yourselves. Thanks for being part of my world. Bye.
1: If you're looking to become a psychologist, then let this be your guide. With this podcast that' your side, to be on aspiring psychologist podcast, with Dr. Mary entrance My name is Diakolola Amujam. I am a recent psychology graduate from Ireland. I am also an aspiring clinical psychologist. Dr. Marion's book, The Clinical Psychologist Collective, has been so helpful to me on this journey to becoming a clinical psychologist. As I plan to continue postgraduate studies in the UK, I found it extremely useful that this book provided in-depth information on the UK D application process. I enjoyed reading about the experiences of both qualified and training clinical psychologists. The various narratives were my favorite part of the book, as everyone's story was different and it provided amazing insights into the clinical psychology journey. I would definitely recommend this book to anyone interested in psychology and aspires to become a clinical psychologist.